Today's episode of the Sixers Beat is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to sixersbeat.robinhood.com. That's sixersbeat.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. Once again, that's rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I guess real quick, this is a public podcast. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixersbeat. You can get 40% off of a yearly subscription. You can get all of our written content and our additional podcasts per week. Um, the point of today's podcast is for mid-season grades. First of all, we're beyond mid-season. We're at what, like they are 30, 29, and 16, so we're talking like 45 games. Just a smidge. And there is a smidge past midseason. We're, we're relatively close. We're about a week off on this podcast. But basically kind of do a check-in, see how players are doing, and basically where that is in relation to what we expected of them. So rather than go through a grading system, an A through F grading system, because I feel like a lot of times that will... People interpret that in different ways. We're just going to real simply like, did they meet expectations? Did they exceed expectations? It's sort of like a one through five scale with three being meet expectations and then exceed expectations, wildly exceed expectations, and you can figure out the rest. So we'll start off. We don't want to do like the two big guys right at the beginning because then everybody will turn off the podcast. And that is not what we want. The, The advertisers in the middle of the podcast really want your listens too. So let's start off with, let's see, let's start off with James Ennis. Hmm. I would say he is either a three or a two, um, you know, so, somewhere in there. I don't really expect a ton from him. He has struggled and a to lot. And be, to be clear, a three is, just because we're just doing this first time, three is meet expectations and a two is exceed expectations. Yeah, I, I'd say around a, th- I'd probably say around a three. I mean, his role is not. A major one by any means. He is shooting 36% from three. And, you know, he's been erratic, you know, over the past, as we've talked about, and I think you've written about, he has struggled recently and he's found himself towards the uh, the bottom of the rotation. He, I don't think he's really ever fell out, maybe maybe a game or two. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's been fine. And, and it's with Ennis, it's a thing where you don't sometimes when he plays a lot, you see these wild swings where he's out of control and he's taking 
step back threes that you don't want. And, you know, I, I think for parts of the season, though, especially like in early December, he uh, he supplied pretty consistent energy and was was their best bench player for at least a couple weeks in there. So, you know, I, I don't really think it's, you know, I didn't I just expect him to be a decent bench wing. And I think he's mostly done that. Yeah, I think when I first started thinking of Ennis, I was thinking it would be a, a poor grade because he has really been struggling here of late. But then when I went back and I looked, you look at his career, not his career, his season statistics. And prior to the Brooklyn game, you know, he was shooting 44.5% from the field and 36.4% from three point range. And both of those are sort of better than what you would expect for James Ennis. And it's tough to sort of see that right now because he is mired in a, a pretty bad slump, you know, but through December 13th, he was shooting like 42% from three point range. Like he was playing really good basketball over a 27, yep. really good basketball for James Ennis over a 27 game stretch. During so that like Detroit Toronto stretch, he was giving them really consistent minutes. Yeah. So I think it's real easy to look at him and, and, and see what he's done here over the last couple of weeks. And certainly he has fallen again, not out of the rotation. Like he's still getting 10 or 11 minutes a night. But when Matisse Thibel came back, Brett has been playing Matisse pretty much starters minutes. I mean, he's he's starting, but a lot of times that sub starter won't play sort of that 30, 35 minutes. But Matisse has been playing a good chunk here over these last four games since he came back. And I think that has minimized Ennis's role a little bit. Furcon too. Furcon too. Although Furcon's been shooting the shit out of the ball, so he's kind of forced his hand. But... And it's probably the right time to, to to cut Ennis back a little bit because he is slumping so much. But I, I I do think it's worth pointing out how good he was in his role to start the season. So I would agree probably slightly above average, somewhere probably between a three and a two. Because the first half was so good and because the season as a whole, or for, for first quarter-ish, first half of what they have already played was so good. And the season as a whole is still, it's still pretty strong, still pretty strong. His uh, 7.2% offensive rebounding, highest of his career. Not quite as high as the Sixers' only tenure last season. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think you know what you're going to get from him. I, it just, you know, if the shotter goes in or it doesn't, you know, it's kind of how useful he is. But gives you a decent defense and, he, you know, he attacks the glass, plays hard. I, I think that's that's good enough. All right, next up, let's go to Josh Richards. Hmm. It was tough because I didn't know exactly what to expect from him this season. And uh, I am going to put him, just looking at his numbers, I'm going to put him exactly at a three, maybe slightly below. I think that there have been some good moments when he has run pick and roll for this team at the end of games, especially in the, the recent stretch. He has had some pretty monster games. I think, you know, when Miami came back here, he was great. He can explode, but there is a level of inconsistency with him that can be frustrating. I mean, his, his turnovers, especially like, I think we joked about this at the beginning of the season, but you even saw it the other night in New York, some of his turnovers on yeah. a, the fast break are just mind boggling. And, you know, he gives you pretty good defense on the perimeter. I, I should amend that very good defense on the perimeter, but it is funny when you watch him compared to Thibel and Simmons, it feels like those guys are bringing, if not, an extra level, kind of a more unique skill set than he is. He is just more of a dogged, workman-like defender. He has not shot the ball 
all that well this year, 33% from three, and they need him to take more, frankly. And that, that can be frustrating at times. So yeah, I would say probably in the, the three, but m- maybe down to a four too. Yeah, like a three, five. I think that is exactly where I would go as well. And it's, it's you know, I think that's one where, again, it's slightly below expectations. And a lot of that has to do with the expectations that we did have. And he is... The offense can just be, it's so hit or miss. Like some days he'll look really good. He'll be hitting that mid-range pull-up. He'll be doing enough passing where you can run some offense through him. And other days the turnovers will just be, like you said, mind-boggling and frustrating. And those mid-range shots won't go in. And the three-point shot has been really streaky. And doesn't really get to the free-throw line a ton. And you know what? At the end of the day, I still like watching him. Like I still enjoy his defense. I like his all-around game. But the Sixers, a lot of it is that a lot of these players are just a little bit miscast. And whether that is Tobias as sort of your number one perimeter scoring option or or Josh as sort of your primary pick and roll threat or like the closest thing you have to a pick and roll shot creator, which is really weird to say, or or, or Ben is as, as uh, whatever you want Ben to be in the half court. And... You know, is is this is probably about what you can expect. Like, he's having a mildly down year, but it's the second best year of his career. So it's hard to fault him too much. Yeah. So yeah, I would go slightly under a three, or slightly, oh, very slightly below expectations. Yeah, and, and he seems to fit in well in the locker room. I expect him to be a major contributor come playoff time, you know. Yeah, and like his, his defense has been very legit. Very legit. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's part of it for sure, and he, you know, I think Brett has put him on point guards a lot because as good as Ben is, guarding the best players, he doesn't want to wear him out with the number of minutes he is playing him. So Josh gives him a great option to slide on to the the quicker Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker types, and and he's done well. I uh, there's I'm just looking at cleaning the glass right now. of his shot attempts are from the mid-range. And I think that is partially a a function of the personnel and and the lack of space around. But, you know, it's also part of his game. He's more of a methodical, a little bit herky-jerky type player. And it would be nice to see him getting to the line more and and just attacking the rim. But, uh, yeah, I, I still, obviously, like, I think this is a good guy to have this criteria with because it's like you said, I think he's slightly below average, but you know, give I wouldn't give him like a C minus if we're just grading his overall play. Right. Yeah. Hey, you know, he, he did change teams for the first time in his career. He was very ingrained in that Miami heat culture. I, I think there's, there's reason to be optimistic that he will get better. He's also battled some injuries too in the first half of the season. Your point about how these guys are just a little bit miscast. I think that's part of it too, right? He's, yeah. he's taking a lot of mid-range jumpers. Well, that's because they're giving him the ball a lot at the end of these games. And when they're going in, like we saw against Indiana in that game, uh, the loss last week, it's good. But, you know, he, he does tend to have a lot of off nights too. Yeah, and like, it's probably one of the things where if he had made a couple more three-point shots and we're looking at his stat sheet, we'd probably say like, hey, he's slightly slightly exceeding expectations. And, and you don't want to put too much stock in what might be a handful of made three-pointers, but 
I do. I mean, he is just a little bit more reliant on that mid range, but I mean that that that's in part the roster construction. So not a huge negative mark for him. Let's see. All right, so we got we we got Richardson out of the way. All right, uh, Mike Scott. Ugh. Um. So so here is one where I would say I would give him a four because I got to be honest, I did not expect a ton from Mike Scott. It wasn't like. I expected him to expand his offensive role and uh, become a totally different player than the guy you know, we saw last year in the playoffs, but he's just not making threes. And, and when you get his level of defense, which I don't think we saw quite as much last year, he is a really spacey defender yeah. when it comes to making rotations and just being on the same page with his teammates. It's been pretty rough. And he's, you know, I, I see the comment when fans are frustrated with players, they often say, this guy is borderline unplayable right now. I think for Mike Scott, he has had a few stretches this season where he has kind of been borderline unplayable. And uh, for that reason, I would say he's probably a four. And uh, yeah, I'm not confident that uh, that he's going to be on the team come playoff time just because I'm not sure he's all that reliable and, and his, his shooting has been below average and, and that's what you need him to do more than anything. I'm sorry to... Uh, to all the Hive members. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's two reasons why his status on the team beyond the next couple of weeks is in doubt. The first is his salary, which you desperately need to match if you want to make any kind of move that doesn't involve a starter. And the second is because his production is something you desperately need to improve. And he is not a good enough defender to be shooting 33% from three-point range. He is not reliable enough of a shooter right now that there's any real reason to put him out on the court outside of you just don't have that many other options. He has been, a f- you know, below expectations is certainly fair. And you might go well below expectations. Like you might make that, that four or five or a yeah. four and a half maybe. And it's not like you expected much, but like not only is he not making shots, which is really his one reason for being in the league, but I, I do feel like his defense has gotten worse. And look, his defense wasn't good last year. And I think we pointed that out a lot last year, especially as we got closer to the playoffs. But he wasn't as just completely, I mean, like you said, Spacey is a, is about the best way you can describe it. He just looks, he has moments of the game where he just doesn't look like he's fully engaged in what's going on on the court. And that has been, that has been frustrating. Like he was a guy who, look, he doesn't move his feet all that great. He doesn't have a lot of quick twitch stuff to his defensive profile, but he at least has a body type where you thought maybe he could do something and not be a complete negative on that end. But he's been he's been real bad defensively, and that's been the combination of those two has been it's it, it it's hurt. I mean, it's hurt this team's rotation, and it's hurt this team's depth and their bench. And uh, they needed a better version of Mike Scott. And if if he's going to be on this this roster come February seventh, they do need a better version of Mike Scott if they want to get to where they want to go. Yeah, and I mean, he's coming off the very solid playoff performance last year. Maybe it's the uh, I was watching one of the playoff games. Maybe it's the bandana. Maybe he's yeah. got a the, the headband. He's got to get that back because yeah. uh, what is that? Would that be a fine every night? It would. How does it, that work? it would be. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't expensive. think Mike wants to pay that. But uh, I think he probably likes his money. Yeah, yeah. Don't we all? So um, I, the one thing I can say about his defense too that really bothers me for some reason, I don't think I've ever seen a player just rotating with their back turned to the ball. <laughs> when, when it's unnecessary as much as Mike Scott, 
where he's running and he has no idea what's going on with the ball behind him because usually because he has been spacey and he is late making a rotation. It's been a, yeah, it's been rough too. And it's, it's rough on this team too, especially when they have the smaller Horford Simmons Thibault lineups in the game with him, because those guys are very active and they gamble and they need people on the back line to at least be smart in terms of positioning and, and help defense and all that stuff. And he just really hasn't been all that great in that regard. All right, let's uh, let's make this conversation a little more interesting. Ben Simmons. Ooh. Well, recency bias, it would have to be a one because that was the best game <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this season. So let's let's talk through this because I don't have this one written down yet. Um, here would be my question to you: How much are we factoring in his defense? Well, you have to factor it in. But how much? 50%? So, like, typically, especially for a perimeter creator, you would typically say offense is more valuable and tougher to replace in defense. Typically. Like, if you're if you're grading Kemba Walker, his offense is going to far outweigh his defense. The one exception to that is a six foot ten point guard who can defend four and a half positions. So is he his guarded defense... the fifth one today too. Yeah. Well, four and a half because only against some matchups. Yeah. So is his defense 50%? I don't, I don't know about that. It maybe would be if you had different personnel around him offensively, but his defense is very important. So it, it has to be a huge factor in that grade. I think, I think. All right. Well, I'll give him a three then because I think the defense has been, outstanding (laughs) he is i mean we talk about this all the time like i do think sometimes fans get uh a little caught up when when a player is playing well like this guy should be first team all nba this guy's an all-star when they're playing well all this stuff he really should be first team all defense he has been outstanding he guards oftentimes the the best perimeter matchup we we talked about with richardson if it's a point guard Brett might save it until the end of the game. I know he did that with uh, Trey Young in a game earlier this season, but he's guarding a lot of different types of players, and they're just not scoring on him. Jimmy Butler can't score on him. Jason Tatum can't score on him. Uh, so that that that'll be pretty good for the playoffs. But you know, I think you know why I'm only going to give him a three because of what we've talked about. I don't know on the ten previous podcasts. He uh, he's not driving the ball at all. Or, uh, sorry, he's not shooting the ball from three at all. And, I mean, the fact that he's not even trying is ridiculous. And, you know, I, I don't like when uh, after a game, you know, when he plays great and he has all this energy, people just try to push that shooting to the side. And it's like, well, have you watched his career so far? So when he has a bad game, are, are you going to be quiet about, you know, him needing to shoot um, and not needing to play with, that crazy level of energy, it it's a little tiresome at this point. Like it's it's clear that he needs to shoot at some level. And the fact that I mean, after Brett Brown, Elton Brand, and Embiid all said that he needs to shoot, he has not done that. And that's been disappointing. The um and the other part of it is for a lot of this season, he has not been attacking the rim at the same level. You know, we 
we talked about the drives per game stat on uh, on NBA.com's tracking data. We talked about averaging less free throws per game, although that has been getting better um, as the season has gone on. And and that's been a little bit disappointing too. The uh, w- One of the positives is that he does have Horford, and I think that has goosed his numbers a little bit in terms of the on-off because he has... Um, he has better personnel around him, more suited to play the fast three-point shooting style. But but there has been undoubtedly disappointing elements of his game, and I just wonder offensively if we're going to have the same story again where he's uninvolved at the end of games and uh, unsure of what to do when Joel Embiid has the ball. And for that reason, I'll give him a three. But the, you know, the defense and the energy level a lot of nights has been... It's been great. You're going to give feel him a like, four. I feel like this is two different grades. It's like a five defensively and like a 1.5 offensively. It's really tough to come to a number. Defensively, he's wait, improved. Wait, wait. Just, so, just so we have this right. One is good. What did I say? Did I get him backwards? Yeah, one is positive, right? Oh, right. Five, he should be a... Is... Oh, 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 yeah, right, 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 right. Good. I was thinking when I was doing this wrong. <laughs> no, time. no, no. I, I said that backwards. Which is probably why we should have st- stuck with the words. Um, yeah, one is the highest, five is the lowest, three is the middle. He should be a one defensively and like a three and a half or like a four or four and a half offensively. Yeah. So I guess I guess where I'll start off, first of all, the way it's phrased is probably important because you say like exceeds expectations or met expectations. Yeah, the expectations are high. Well, but off like in terms of the jumper, I probably didn't have all that high of expectations. I expected him to try it. Well, he, here's like the funny thing. In ter- I, I think he has exceeded my expectations in improving his jump shot, which makes him fail to meet my expectations in terms of using it in the game. Like if you had told me he's going to come out here and you're going to have like, not I don't want to say confidence, but like you're going to have some belief that he might actually be able to make a three-point shot in a game. Before the season, that would have been like, hey, I don't, I don't know if I see that happening. Now I do. Like, I think he should be able to shoot in a game. And he doesn't. And it's freaking blows your mind. It just drives you insane. But on the other hand, I mean, uh, on don't, the other hand, don't grade his offseason work. Grade what he's doing during the no, season. No, no, I, I, I know. On the other hand, I do think his, like, I think a lot of the, not a lot of the frustration, he's, we've said this a million times, he's always going to need the jump shot when he's spacing Embiid on a post-up or when you have a pick-and-roll ball handler to play with him. Like, he's not going to be able to roll the basket every fucking time. He's going to need to shoot the ball from the corner. On the other hand, I do think the roster construction makes his deficiencies more frustrating. Like, if you if you had the point guards you should, I mean, look what we saw him do against the Nets. With fucking Raul Nato. This is an all-star point guard we're talking about. And all of a sudden we're like, oh wow, it's tough to guard him when you get him on the move in the half court. If he had, a, if you had a real good point guard to play next to him, a real good shot creator, a real good pick and roll player to play next to him, I don't think I would be as frustrated with his weaknesses as I currently am. That's is that his fault? A lot. He should shoot the fucking ball. But this isn't necessarily the team to hide his weaknesses and make use of his strength and the defense because it is such a versatile defender is more valuable i think than like like i said 
Dame Lillard can't defend anyone. Kemba Walker can't defend anyone. You don't care because their offense is that much more valuable and that much more irreplaceable. Ben's a little bit different because he has such versatility. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go 2.5, but I don't feel good doing it. Like, it really is a, a battle of extremes. Like, you had, on the one hand, the defense has so far and away exceeded expectations. I remember when, when before he played a game, and it was probably the spring of what would have been his rookie year if he didn't lose it because of injury. And Brian Colangelo came out, and he said, Benny can defend point guards. And I remember ripping Brian Colangelo for that. Like, what the hell are you talking about? He can defend point guards. He didn't defend anything at LSU. He never got down a stance. He doesn't try hard enough. And asking a 6'10 guy to defend a 6'1 ball handler is freaking absurd. He can, Rich, he can fucking defend point guards. Like, no problem. Really well, too. Like, yeah. it doesn't even, like, yeah, sometimes you don't want to do him all game. You don't want him to do it all game because you can wear him out. He can defend point guards. Like, there's not a matchup in the NBA that's under 6'10 that I worry about Ben Simmons defending. It's really absurd. Yeah. And, and he's that's, won that's a huge so many, part. Yeah, that's even great. even even the game against the Nets, you could make the case that he won that game because of his defense. How many games has he won because of his defense? It's absurd. Defenders don't non shot blocking defenders, non Draymond defenders, don't win games like that. He definitely won that Indiana game in Philly a couple months yeah. ago with defense. Three steals in the last I don't know twelve seconds or something. Crazy. But you can't build a point. You can't build a half court offense around a post up center if you have a guy on the court who can't shoot, who won't shoot. Yeah. No, and that's you know, and that's part of the the roster construction thing. And you know, I think part of the reason that maybe some people from the outside think, you know, you have a guy who is clearly an all star level player and is, you know has these unique gifts. But the expectation here is to try and win a championship. There is talent here that says that they should at least be close to a title contender. And here's the thing. When you're trying to win a title, people have to sacrifice a little bit. And, you know, I think back to the Miami Heat. Chris Bosh was this great post-up ISO scorer in Toronto. He got there, and he got two guys that were better than him. And so he had to turn into a great defensive player, one, and two, a guy who mainly spaced the floor and shot threes. This level of sacrifice from Simmons is different. He's just got to get out of his comfort zone and be willing to take those shots. Because, you know, I don't like it when people say, oh, well, he's sticking to his strengths. Guess what? Standing in the dunker spot and clogging up the offense, not his strength. That's (laughs) It's not his strength. It's It's not like he's standing there because he's unguardable there. He's standing there because they have no idea where to put him. Yeah. So... In that sense, I, I, I don't think you can put him... I, I can't put him above average because I've just been disappointed with that. But, you know, he is the... Uh, you know, it, I saw Ethan Strauss when there was a... Uh, I, I don't know if... It was something on The Athletic. It was... I don't know if it was a rumor, but it, it, it had something to do with Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell. And he was just gauging the replies to the tweet. And he said, I don't think I've seen a more polarizing player in terms of like fan interest and it, just their judgment on how good he is, then he said the prime Rajon Rondo. Yeah. And it's funny because Ben gets called a 6'10 Rondo a lot. But I think it's it, it goes to show that it's not just Philadelphia where there is a uh, a polarizing player. But, I mean, you know, I, I think we've pretty much laid out all his strengths and weaknesses here. But I, I just think that the lack of trying on the jump shot is 
is so unforgivable to me that uh, I, I can't put him above a three, despite how good the defense has been. And no, I legitimately I hear amazing. I hear you. It's and he, he's shooting fifty seven percent from the line again too. Like, come yeah. on, dude, make a free throw. Like, well, I would say just get to the free throw line and and break them too. That true, but like, if, if I'm gonna give you credit for looking like you might have a passable jumper in pregame warm up, like, make a free throw, man. Like, yeah. you, you took 190 attempts this year. You you, you made 109 of them. Come on, you gotta do better than that. He I, does. Uh, his field goal percentage is creeping up to his free throw percentage, actually. Yes. It's kind of amazing. He shoots 57% from the field. Think about what he would shoot if he cut out all the bad ones. Like, just cut out every hook shot you take. Uh, it's it's even, even talking about it in a controlled environment between us is frustrating. Because when you make a negative point, the positives stick in your head. And then when you make a positive point, the negatives stick in your head. You know? He's really good. He's really good. I, but he's he's not, really good at almost everything on the basketball court, except for like the one thing that really you important. and I can figure out on a hoop out in the hallway. Yep. Hey guys, it's me, Derek. Interjecting here with one quick thought. If this doesn't sound like the most natural transition in the world, it's because it's not. I'm doing something I've never done in the history of this podcast. See, Rich and I finished recording this podcast. I'm coming to you from the future. But in the few hours between when we finished this podcast and I came back to put it together and post it on the internet, I couldn't stop thinking about my grade for Ben Simmons. See, that's sort of the player that he is. Even in my own head, even in my own grading system that I made up, I cannot come to a definitive conclusion on whether or not he has exceeded expectations or not. Because he's such a polarizing player. Because his strengths are so pronounced. Because what he was good at, he's gotten so much better at. And because what he was bad at, he hasn't made any progress. It's a legitimately tough grade to give. And I want to be clear about one thing. I have not posted this on the internet yet. I'm making this amendment here before anybody has heard it. We're not, I'm not doing this because of any kind of backlash of our grade or disagreement of the grade that I gave. It's a legitimate change of how I think I should have rated him. See, when Rich and I set off to do this exercise, our grades were based on the expectations coming into the season. So when I said he slightly exceeded expectations, it was based off of a thought process involving two key factors. The first is that Simmons has drastically improved as a defender, and that's a huge deal. I do legitimately believe he is one of the 5-10 to 10 best defenders on the planet, especially with the way the NBA is trending right now in terms of, of requiring multi-positional defensive versatility. That's a huge deal, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. The other key factor in my grade of slightly exceeding expectations was that my expectations for his perimeter game offensively were so low that it would have been almost impossible to disappoint. And in some respects, that is true. I did not expect Ben Simmons to come out and be an effective perimeter shooter. What I did hope to see, though, is that he would make some progress in his willingness to do so. See, if you're going to say that Ben Simmons didn't disappoint because you had no expectations on his jumper, there is some legitimacy to that. But that also bakes in you're grading him on a curve, that he improved so little over the previous two years in the NBA on his perimeter jump shot that it would be unrealistic to expect him to improve here in year three. But this is such an important part of the Sixers and whether or not they have the kind of championship equity that we hope that they do, that it felt wrong to grade him on that curve. In order for the Sixers to get where they want to go and win a championship, they need Ben Simmons to not be so exploitable in a half-court offense. And even if maybe that progress isn't going to come this year, you need to see progress in his willingness to make that a reality. And so far, we just haven't done that. And because of that, almost no matter what happens here, whether that be at the trade deadline or how this team plays over the next couple of weeks, 
you're going to have massive questions about whether or not the Sixers can truly execute in the half court against the league's best defenses, especially when an opponent has seven games to game plan for him. So while that, that improvement defensively, I think, is real and deserves credit, and while it would have been wrong to expect Ben Simmons to come out and be an incredible three-point shooter or even a real legitimate threat that would pull the defense out, it's also wrong to say that his lack of improvement, his lack of willingness to shoot, and his lack of improvement at the free-throw line aren't major deals and aren't disappointments. Because of that, I'm going to amend my grade, dropping it from a slightly exceeding expectations to slightly disappoint based on expectations. And again, I want to be clear, I have not posted this, this is not a reaction to anything other than my own internal thought process, and I have not edited anything on this podcast before or after this little interjection. It is all still there for you to hear and to understand my thought process. I just thought I graded on the wrong curve, and I wanted to interject here to make that clear. And with that out of the way, let's get on to the rest of the players. Uh, Trey Burke. I would actually give him a pretty good grade. I'm going to go two for him, because... I really didn't expect a lot from him. We talked in the offseason about how poor we thought his defense was going to be. It's still pretty bad, of course. You know, he's, uh, I mean, just his, his size limitations are, are going to render him a bad defender in some way or another. But he's actually trying. And uh, I think it, it's been a little bit hard for him and Neto because, frank, frankly, there's no rhyme or reason to Brett's uh, rotation there. No, and, and a lot of people ask this. I mean, Brett pretty much said, like, look, I, I haven't played Neto in a while. I want to I want to keep him engaged. So we're going to give him a run now. And how long will that last? When will Trey come back? I don't know. And that's got to be, it's got to be tough. It's got to be tough because Burke was playing he pretty well really, in his really role. Well. Yeah. Yeah, he gives them, you know, kind of a unique offensive spark in that he can go get his own shot. Might not be a great shot, but guess what? He's making them. He's shooting, I think, 44% from three last time I checked. Yeah, still at 44%. And he's had games where he has, uh, if not won them in the same way, you know, like Ben won the Nets game. He has contributed to that win in a secondary or maybe tertiary role. And he's been, yeah, he's he, he's been better than I thought. I think uh, he handled his... Uh, his pops complaining about uh, <laughs> his playing time very well. Seems like he's he's been a pretty good teammate. I've uh, I've enjoyed his connection with Iverson and, and how they seem to be friends. So, you know, honestly, with my expectations, I might actually bump him up to a like a one point five. I I've liked how he's played, and I would hope that Brett gets him back in the rotation because, frankly, I don't think Neto has played all that well recently, and. You know, he's he's not, like, keeping him on the bench because Neto's <laughs> playing lights out or anything. Yeah, I would I, I would have gone a 1-5 a, a on that. I think he has played much better than I would have expected. And look, this might be a situation where he might he might be at a 1-5 now, but he might be at a 4 in the second half of the season. I don't—we'll see. Um, I'm not going to tell you that he's going to keep making the shots that he's currently making. And once he starts— Taking shots but not making them, I think the Trey Burke experience could turn on a, you know, on on a dime there. But so far, you have to give him credit, and like you said, like his defense has been so much better effort wise than I would have expected. That I give him credit just for that, and also by the way, he's coming out and probably having one of his best from an efficiency standpoint years of his career. He's been 
good. And he's given the team a skill set that really nobody else on the team has and that they desperately lack. A skill set that could work with some of your best players. So as long as he is playing within that role and making the shots and trying defensively, it's hard not to give him a pretty good mark here. Uh, I, I Again, that doesn't mean I I'm know not a huge believer in his game moving forward, but I think it's something where you just got to give him credit because he's played well. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think the way to read the Trey Burke experience is that it is a skill set that they need and hopefully one that they can upgrade long term. Not so much that he is going to lead you to the promised land, but he is. I mean, you, you have to give him a lot of credit for how he's played so far. All right, let's take one quick break to hear from DraftKings. The stage is set. It's down to the best of the best as we crown the football championship. Don't miss out. Get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to get all of your big game bets in. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including countless prop bets and football squares. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You don't want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TOSS. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with the sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget that's code TOSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino, bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And now back to the show. I guess we'll just bounce from there to Howell Neto then. Hmm. I think he's probably... Like a three, maybe a three five. He, uh, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I feel like he has not sh- shot the ball. Eh, I think he- 39. 39. Okay. That's, that's better than I thought. You know what I think has been a little bit disappointing? And may- maybe it shouldn't be because he also has some size limitations. I-, I have not loved his defense. I feel like he's gotten attacked, um, pretty frequently. And I think a couple of times, Brett has gone to Ben for the full second half of a game because he has not trusted Howell's play after kind of not making much of an impact in the uh, in the first half. And, you know, it, the way it gets described, I, I know a couple people have described a team like San Antonio who has players like Bryn Forbes and DeRozan playing you know, small forward. They don't really feel you on the defensive end. Uh, the other team, you know, you're not really bothering them. And for a team on the Sixers, like, who has a lot of defenders who make life uncomfortable for opposing ball handlers, it, it doesn't feel like Neto has been quite at that level. But I, I would also say that I don't think it can be easy for him either because I'm sure, you know, in a couple games here, Brett's going to put Burke back in and, you know, he might sit for another two weeks and that, that can't be easy. Yeah. I, w- I would probably go with three right at met expectations. Like he has been down a little bit here over the last couple of weeks when he's played. He had a, a good stretch earlier in the season. He's made his shots from the perimeter. His defense has been mildly disappointing, but still better than Trey Burks. 
He's, I think, been ex- what you expected when you signed him to that minimum contract. Again, I, I think the, like, did I expect, I, I, I think when the this passing happened, hasn't been great either. What was that? Passing hasn't been all that good. No, it hasn't. He's not like diming guys up on a consistent basis in a way. No. That's never really been his strength, but yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just because he's playing with Embiid. I mean, his assist to turnover ratio is pretty close to one to one. Yeah. No, I think I think mostly, you know, I expected the backup point guard. I mean, when the season started, we all talked like, you know, Josh Richardson was going to be the backup point guard when the playoffs rolled around. So these guys were just kind of like buying minutes. I I, I don't necessarily think that Josh Richardson is going to be the backup point guard anymore. Uh, I I think we saw it. He doesn't quite have the creativity to pull that off. But I think the who's going to be the backup point guard is still going to be a, a a big concern for the playoffs. So it's it's you know I. I don't think I had expectations that either Neto or Burke would be the solution. I think Neto or Burke has outperformed our expectations. And I think Neto has mostly met, which is a fine regular season player with limitations um, on both ends of the court. Yeah. I'll go with a three there. Uh, All right. Let's move on to, I probably should have ordered this list beforehand, but that is not the kind of podcast that we have. We know all the guys on the team. You can. We do know all the guys. I have to look at my list to remember who we talked about already, though. All right, let's go to let's go to Matisse Thibel. Hmm. Well, are we doing this? I guess expectations after the preseason or before the preseason. Because I feel like my that expectations is a fair point, were and I raised. didn't really think of that. Because I think Matisse is the only one who preseason would have changed those expectations for. Precisely. Let's uh, let's put an even more positive spin on it. Let's go before the preseason. He has been. I feel like I'm going to give him a straight one. He has been. All of his strengths have been better than I thought. Um, I mean, we talked a lot about Simmons' defense against the Nets. Thibel had three or four holy shit plays. Yeah. The one where he uh he threw the pass over or the he was going out of bounds and threw the ball over his head. That was an insane twenty second sequence where he was just all over the place. And the way he uh creates havoc. Was that was that the sequence where he tweeted LOL what a sequence? Yeah, yeah. That was uh I thought so. I wanted to make sure. Good read by you there. Uh, yeah, I mean, isn't he? He's leading the league in steals, isn't he? Or steal rate? Am I wrong about on that? Uh Simmons is up there. Shock too. me if not steals per game or total steals overall. No, I think definitely it, not. steal rate though. It have to be a rate or a per possession. I don't. I don't know. Three point exactly. six. That's that's a pretty high number. And he's blocking shots. He. Uh, it, it's. I, I think today's game was a perfect encapsulation of his value. Because he shot the ball like crap. He shot 0 of 5 from 3 and was 1 of 7 from the field. That one being a run-out dunk after a uh, poke-around steal. But he's just all over the place on, on defense. And he, uh, you know, I don't know what his three-point percentage is. He's probably dropped a little bit over the past couple of games. But shot it way better than I thought he would for almost the entirety of the uh, the first half of the season. 
he's still he's shooting 38% from three. Better, it's better than I thought, and it looks like it's coming down to earth, but we're doing this podcast today, and that's what I'm going to judge him on. Um, I thought, you know, you know what's another thing that's a little bit underrated with him? He's not a great playmaker, but he can attack a closeout and make a, a decent pass in, in a key spot. He's done that recently since coming back. And of course, he dealt with an injury that kept him out for a couple of weeks. By the way, the team was terrible during that time. They had a couple wins, but I don't think that that was totally a uh, a coincidence. Like with how inconsistent their bench is, you just need his energy because you you know that's going to at least be a constant every night. He might not play all that well, but uh, just his ability to contribute right away has been really surprising to me. And I've been uh, both wildly impressed with the person and the player. And uh, it seems clear to me that they have a keeper moving forward. I mean, he gets four steals and a block, and you're just like, yeah, okay. There's another game. It's crazy. Good job, kid. Guards, he's his on-ball defense, too. He guards other teams' point guards when Richardson hits the bench. And his on-ball defense has been better than I expected. Yes, sure. right? Because yeah. that was considered a weak spot coming in. And, yeah, and now you throw him on Kemba Walker, and it's fine. He's getting dangerously close to a better three-point percentage and two-point percentage. He's at 38.4% from the field overall and 38% from three. I think if you had to find like one nitpick of something that was maybe a little worse than you expected, it would be his finishing through traffic. But everything else, and quite frankly, everything else that matters, like in terms of his three-point shooting, his on-ball defense— his defensive decision-making and, and, and finding the balance between risk-taking has all been better than you would have expected. And for a rookie to come in and be such an integral part of the team and to be starting when Joel Embiid's out and to have supplanted... not only Remember when there was like debate over him or Zaire Smith? Well, not only did he win that quote-unquote tournament, but he's displaced James Ennis and Mike Scott as sort of the first guys. Imagine a preseason where you said Furkan Korkmaz and Matisse Thibel would be ahead of Mike Scott and James Ennis in a rotation. You would have thought either, well, something really bad happened or some things really good happened. And it sort of both turned out that way so far. But to have him become the player that he's already become, it's been a, a huge success for the season so far. And yeah, give him a one. Sure. I'm right there with you. He's young. He deserves the A. Which, again, doesn't mean, like, if if this was an A, like, it doesn't mean he's an impact player now. It just means in terms of what the expectations were coming in, he has wildly exceeded them, and those expectations will then change as he moves throughout his career. So when we give him a five next year, you'll know why. Next up? Uh, Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go to uh, Tobias Harris. Another good grade here. Um. Just been a really consistent player. I think his improvement on defense has been really impressive to the point where this team, I can say safely, has no super weak weak links on the defensive end. Yeah, he's probably still topping out at average or, or slightly below. But there are a couple possessions every game. He had one against Brooklyn where he, he had a block at the end of the game, right? Am I remembering that incorrectly? Yes, yep. Where, where he can just stay in front of these guys. And I think uh, that has been super impressive because, you know, 
so much of an off-season storyline for so many players is, well, I'm going to get better on the defensive end. And it never happens because, A, it's a hard thing to improve. You know, you, you kind of are what you are at some point. And a lot of guys just don't want to get any better on defense. You know, they... Especially not when they get paid. Yeah. And this guy, once uh, Brett said it before the season, he cares. And that's a huge part of it. And being a good athlete and, and caring, that's, you know, that's a heck of a start. And he has gotten a lot better on that end. Offensively, he has not shot the ball great from three for a lot of it, although that has, that has improved recently. I wish he would still shoot more threes. He is up to 36% from three. Um, but he, he scores in a bunch of different ways, right? He can score a little bit in the pick and roll. They have that handoff play where he comes from under the basket and then runs a pick and roll with either Horford or Embiid. He shoots a lot of, uh, a lot of mid-rangers, and he, he shoots a good percentage from there. And I think his, like... His passing has gotten better too, where, you know, he's not an elite playmaker, but he's make he's making better reads when, you know, I I remember the, the game in Denver earlier this year was a perfect example. And that was the game that the Sixers collapsed at the end and B played like crap. He got fouled by Jokic at the end of the game. I remember in the first half of that game, Tobias Harris against a good Denver defense and an aggressive pick and roll coverage, he sliced him up in a way that I'm not sure he would have been able to last year. And maybe that's because he's comfortable after getting paid. Maybe because that's comfortable. He is with the same team. It seems like for the foreseeable future, but I'm going to give him, you know, we, we expected him to be pretty good, but, but I think he's been even a little more consistent than I thought. And I am going to give him a two. Hmm. He has definitely been better than, what I would have thought. I don't think he's a completely different player than I would have thought. Most of his strengths and weaknesses are still the same. Like he still doesn't get the free throw line much at all. His passing might be marginally better, but he's still not somebody that's really going to allow you with his creativity. Yeah. You don't want to run a ton of offense through him to no. set up other people. Up. The only area where he's really, I think changed the narrative somewhat is on the defensive end. Other than that, he's mostly the same player that he was and his efficiency is down a little bit from where it was with the Clippers only because he's not making shots at quite the same level. So I think he's mostly the same player. I'll go. It's tough. Cause I think that defensive improvement is real and I think it's valuable. I'll go at two five. Uh, I wouldn't go quite a th- two just because I think we were hoping he would become a little higher of a volume three point shooter and be comfortable in doing so. And I, that to me is a little bit disappointing not as not as disappointing as the defensive improvement is encouraging, so that's why I'll give him a better than a three. But I think in order to get a two, I'd probably need to see him become a little more comfortable shooting threes at a higher volume. But he is he is bringing his three point percentage back up. Uh, I think that that well twenty three in a row streak was a fluke. I think a lot of his early season struggles there were fluky, so it, it doesn't stun me that he's bringing his three point percentage up. But I was hoping for a little bit more in that regard. That's fair. Al Horford. Hmm. This one is going to be below average for sure. Debating on what, what number to put it. Uh, so let's, I guess, lay out the general facts here. As a power forward, his offense has been a detriment. They score at a terrible rate when he is playing the four. 
and part of that is that he is, you know, it's kind of, he's mismatched in his role. He, uh, there's not a lot of spacing on that group, especially when Harris and Richardson are pretty or more reluctant from three than we'd like to see it. But he shot the ball like crap and, uh, and, and just has not looked like a great fit with Embiid. And, you know, maybe we should have expected that coming into the year, but I think there was a sense of he's too smart of a player not to figure it out. Well, he, he hasn't really figured it out yet. And he has been open about this where he has said that he hasn't liked his role. And I, I think his role has been pretty good when it comes to backing up Embiid. I don't think his defense on that end of the floor has been great. But his match with Ben Simmons, I thought was going to be pretty good. It's probably better than I thought. It's probably taken a little bit of a hit recently with with the offense, but he can play fast. He can uh, he can spread the floor for Ben, and that's been good. But I just think his a his rim protection as a five, I think, has been pretty rough. Now again, some of that is when he plays with those bomb squad Matisse Ben J Rich units. They press up on players a lot, so to expect him to be as good as Joel is probably being foolish because Joel's better than anybody at that. Um, but yeah, I, I just think his his offense overall has been rough enough where I think you can safely say it's it's a four. I would say. Yeah, this is one where if he were on a different team and a different system and a different role he'd probably be right about a three. Like, I don't think he's fundamentally a different player than he was when they signed him. I think it's just the fit has been worse. I mean, first of all, he, he's he's struggling more from the perimeter than I would have expected. I do wonder if he is trying to up his volume a little more than maybe he's capable of. Like, 4.3 attempts per game is far and away. The most he's taken in a career, uh, his previous high was 3.6 from a few years ago. It's not a huge change, but it might be enough where he's just he's he's thinking about it a little bit more. He's not quite as comfortable in the ones that he does take. I mean, this was a guy who didn't even shoot threes for his first. Yeah, until like four or five years ago. Eight years of his career. Almost. Yeah. So like maybe if, if if a couple more of those shots go in, we have a different conversation. But by and large, I think just watching it, the offense hasn't looked good when he's been at the four. Is that really his fault? Maybe not, but it's sort of the reality of where he is. Like, our expectations were that he would succeed in this role, and he hasn't. And like you, I could maybe... Can't really overlook that, because you don't pay $109 million for backup center. But I could maybe overlook that a little bit more if he was protecting the rim a little bit better. And again, I don't think he was necessarily in the right role to play to his strengths. So you give him a little bit of a pass for that, but like, they have to figure it out. Like, that's four years, $109 million. He's got to be able to play next to Joel Embiid, and they just haven't been able to do that yet. So he's certainly been disappointing from what you hoped when they signed him. I mean, he's their one major free agency signing that they have, that they'll have here for the foreseeable future. And right now you wonder whether you can play with your franchise player. Like, that's a pretty big disappointment. And he's had a couple of good games here of late without Joel there of course and he can still do a heck of a lot offensively when he's in that right role it's just when you get the playoffs how often is he going to be in that role and 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 
can you do enough defensively to overcome that? And I'm just, I'm not convinced this is a championship level offense. And that's going to be tough to overcome. So, yeah, I think he needs to play the Bucks more. <laughs> yes. Because only if, the Bucks. if, it's the if only they play like that play against, against the Bucks again, and, and you ask me to redo the grades, I'm bumping him up to a three. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. of that it, one crazy game where he looked awesome and they looked yep. awesome. And this is a tough one because I like Al Horford a lot as a player, a lot as a player. But there's a lot riding on him, and it's just he has not looked good when he's been next to Joel. So, yeah, I th- to me it would be between a... Th- Honestly, you can convince me anywhere from a three and a half to a four and a half. I'll probably go with a four as well. Yeah. Um, and and, and it, that might end up just being like the front office made a miscalculation when they signed him and, and bet too much on, you know, okay, we have we have four good defenders already. How much can adding a fifth move the needle defensively? Yeah. And they might have just overestimated how much that fifth really good defender can 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 change and whether or not that's worth the poor fit on the offensive side of the court, because right now I do think that poor fit is, is real. I think his acquisition also kind of mirrors the team's expectations in that signing him has made this team wildly inconsistent because the offense just isn't necessarily there a lot of nights, even against some bad teams. And it might turn out that signing him sacrificed some, uh, some short-term pain for some long-term gain. And in the playoffs, he's just this lights out, smart gamer, and and they figure some maybe he he gets hot for a couple weeks and and everything turns out great. But yeah, I mean for the regular season, it's made uh, it's made the season rockier. I would say his his signing because he just and even think about this like the Phoenix game earlier this season when he was unbelievable and he was picking and popping and driving closeouts and all that stuff. I don't feel like we've seen that enough either. The uh, the same stuff he would do to Joel Embiid on a normal basis where he was such a matchup problem at the five. And I, Yeah, I feel like he, he hasn't even been that level of matchup problem on a consistent basis. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to the big man himself, Joel Embiid. Hmm. He's a tough one because even if you're disappointed with him, the impact is still so crazy. Let me, this is not good podcasting right now, but let me, uh, let me see what the, the on-off numbers are with him. He is... Probably not as good as you expect because the offense has struggled so much. 106 offensive rating, 99 <laughs> defensive rating. And he, here's the thing with Joe, though. I wonder, and it, I mean, it's the it's still the second highest on the team, but yeah, you're right. The, the offense has been a struggle with him on the court. You look at his numbers, they're pretty insane still. What what he's shooting from the field. And the funny thing is when you start looking at his per possession numbers, they're really not all that different than they were in previous years. Like I, I he's he's losing a little bit because he's playing fewer minutes per game, but on a per possession basis they're not as bad as I think some people think they are. What he's shooting from the field is not great. I mean, he's 47% from the field, but he's still... He's never been that 50% big man, though. Yeah. It's never been. And, and it would be nice if he got there because, wow, imagine what would happen. But he's getting to the line how many times per per game are we looking at here? He's getting to the line eight times per game in, uh, in lower minutes, and he's shooting 83% from there. I think, number one, I've been happy with his minutes, and that is a... I guess that's like an organizational thing as well. They have limited him to 31 minutes per game. Because he has 
had some bumps and bruises along the way. He is down to, I mean, he's only played 31 games so far. So I am a little, little bit excited for the playoffs in that maybe they can get him there at a hundred percent. It looks like they are on track for that. Um, you know, I, I think the defensive impact is still pretty crazy when he plays though. Uh, and you know, as much as we ragged on Horford and the offense, that starting unit has shown that they have the capability to be uh, pretty damn special defensively, and that's almost entirely because of Joe. I'll I'll say he's at a three. It, it, it's been a little bit more of a reduced role. He has not had the nuclear first half that he did last season when he was in the MVP conversation because of the counting stats and the responsibility that he has put up. But I, I don't think he has gone to another level by any means. He's just continuing to play at, at, at his same steady pace. I could see even an argument for putting him a little bit lower, but I don't, I don't know. In, in general, I, I think he's been right about where you want him. Here, here's something I found absolutely mind-boggling when I did my um, you know five likes and dislikes at the midway point of the season column from a couple days ago. Do you realize that back in his rookie season, he did not get an assist to one cutter off a post-up out of the post? Like, you know, him back to the basket, running a cutter off of him, find someone for a, 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 a cut to the basket. Not a single assist during that time. I mean, he's, he's continuing to get better out of the post for sure. And... Here, here, here's another one I really liked. This is the percentage of, ter- of possessions that ended with the opposing team sending a hard double team his way in the post. And this is looking at how what percentage of those possessions he turned the ball over on. So these are synergy numbers. So what they're looking at is basically a shot attempt from Embiid, a foul drawn by Embiid, or a turnover by Embiid. Not even looking at assists. Um, just his own offense. So in 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 we're typically talking about like his rookie season, 62 possessions and that an opposing team sent a hard double team his way that ended one of those events. Remember, it was cut short by injury. Then 142 possessions, 108 possessions. And so far this season, he's already had 100 possessions, which means on a per-game basis, they're sending hard double teams his way more than they ever have. So his rookie year, opposing team sends a hard double team. He turned it over 32.3% of the time. That's insane. 32.3% average 0.742 points per play. Second season, 30.3% of the time he turned it over. Third season, 21.3% of the time. And so far this year, 18% of the time. So he has pretty much cut it in half, those turnovers. And that 0.742 points per play is now at 1.02 point per play, which is better than most teams' half-court offense. Again, these are, this is point per play, not point per possession. Don't need to get into the whole spiel on what that means and what's different about them, but this is lower. So that's really good offense, even when other teams double him. And I feel like that's a really big deal, especially on a team that doesn't really shoot well and doesn't space well around him. Yeah. So I want to give him credit for that. On the other hand, he came into the season and wasn't in basketball shape. And that's yeah. just unacceptable. Like that's you bad. should you should that should not happen. And that's a huge concern now that he's not playing basketball every day. Or at least playing games. And we don't know exactly how long it's gonna last for. So and 
if I'm being completely honest, I'm not sure the defense has been quite as good as it was during his first two years in the league. Like, he, he does not have quite the same quickness off the ground, I feel like, that he used to have. He does not change direction quite as quickly as he used to. And he's become a much better player, a much better offensive player specifically. But there are shots that he used to get to as a rookie that I just don't feel like he quite get to, gets to anymore. And w- what does that mean? Like, he's, he's still a top two or three defender in the game. He just leaves a few more plays on the table than he used to. His blocks have gone down every year. Yeah, which which is interesting because they, I feel like they funnel as much, if not more, into him. But I feel like more people pull up before they get to him. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that could be a little bit misleading. <sighs> this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I do give him credit for cutting it on his turnovers. His passing, I think, has gotten better. It's still not, like, perfect, but it's got it's it's trended in the right direction. Just not in the last minute of a game when they're trying to break yeah. the press. But besides that, he he's shooting marginally better, but probably not as good as you would you would want. Yeah, I'll give him I'll give him a three. Like I said, I do feel like the defense has taken a mild step back, and like I said, he's still a world class defender. It's just not quite the same as maybe you hope. And his passing in the post, I think, has gotten better and and pretty significantly so, which is more of like a a slow, continual trend than it is earth shattering any single year. Like he's still not maybe quite the pinpoint passer we hope he will be. Yeah, I think I think a three is fair. I think a three is fair. And again, I think it's tough to compare him to the start of last season because he came out, like you said, at an MVP caliber form and he clearly didn't this year. He went the other way and he came out where he was, you know, a little bit out of shape and not playing his best ball. But I think he was starting to work his way back into what we expected before that injury, which is a little bit of a shame. It's been a weird season, too. I think it needs to be stated that the front office did not build a team. Nope, not even close. That really fit in the best way around their best player. And look, I mean, he's got a lot of very talented players around them. But, you know, if you wanted to put this in simple terms, they surrounded the best center, really the only low post center in the league with three power forwards. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's why the offense has been bad when he's been on the floor. (laughs) I mean, when you put it like that, Rich, yeah. And, and also because and, when he's he's not on the floor with three power forwards, he's on the floor with Trey Burke and Mike Scott and James Ennis. Some marginal players for sure. And <laughs> I, I think like just trading Reddick for Richardson is okay in Huge. a vacuum, Huge. but it's it's not helping him. No. It's, it's, and, hurting, and, it's hurting him, in fact. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, losing Jimmy for Josh hurts him too. Like, yeah. Jimmy it's could, funny he brings up Jimmy all the time, though. I think JJ's a bigger deal for his oh, individual. Oh, offensively, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy's a bigger but, deal in terms of being the closer. and just. But I don't think he was like making Joe that much better. He was just giving the Sixers another option besides Joe. Yeah, and he, even when Jimmy created shots for others, he was more of like a kick out past the corner kind of guy, not to the rolling big man. Um, but, I mean, that's a, a big deal, taking shots that, 
forcing Embiid to be like your only real closer. That's a a pretty big deal in terms of his effectiveness. Yeah, so I, I guess that's the way I would put it. The the not being in shape part is a huge thing, and you're right, that is unacceptable. Although I think at some point we might have to realize that it's really hard for him to stay in shape. You know, like I I don't I'm not absolving him of the blame, but I also think he can slip easier than others because he's a massive individual. Um, he can. I also think his attention to detail has not been. No, no, it's, it it's true. Be. He's got to be elite in terms of how he takes care of his body. And I, I just, I, I, I think it's fair to say that he could be better than that. But uh, yeah, I don't think you can say it enough though, that by, uh, by trading the two starters for the two starters they got back, they made it a lot harder on him offensively. And, uh, you know, maybe it all works out in the end. And they they have the defensive, just elite defense that, that gets them over the top. But, I mean, they're making it harder for him to play. And I think we've seen that during the season. All right. Uh, Mario Shyock. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We're, we're going to skip Shyock, Jonah Bolden, and Shake Milton. We don't need to do those guys. Uh, Jonah got his, his third... Jonah. Third third appearance of the season against um against the Nets, and it might be his final one. Not go well. All right, so let's go to uh, Norvell Pell. I mean, this has to be a one, right? Yeah. We had no expectations for him even playing. Yeah, and he is their third center. <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. We don't know how you can survive without Trey Burke, Furkan Korkmaz, and Norvell Pell. And this is not the conversation you expect to be having when you talk about a title contender. And look, I don't I I let's not misconstrue. Norvell Pell makes a lot of mistakes. A lot the numbers, of numbers the numbers are pretty rough when he plays. Numbers are rough. His numbers are rough. Teams' numbers are rough are are, are rough. But I didn't expect him to be even no. somebody who was mentioned on this this list. Right. I did not expect to ever talk about Norvell Pell this year. Not once. Okay, we're talking about it too much. But <laughs> And he, this is probably the prime example of just because somebody gets a really high mark in this grading system does not mean he's playing well. It means he's playing better than we expected. Yeah. But he is playing way better than we expected. Flip to the other side, Kylo Quinn. You know, maybe my expectations were too high for him. But the Sixers have been an unmitigated disaster when he plays. And for a while there, I thought, you know what? Hasn't played a ton. He, you know, sometimes he plays with some weird lineups. But I thought that that he would be, you know, they had Embiid, they had Horford. That's the best one-two center punch in the league. And I thought O'Quinn as a third big was a good signing for them to make. Like, he had displayed a level of competency throughout his NBA career. He, uh, he's been bad, man. I don't really know how to put it any other way. Um, I thought the Q and a I did with him exceeded my expectations earlier this year where <laughs> he talked Is that about how we're going to start grading people now, how well his, they help the athletic, his love of, uh, of spirit airlines. I, I do think he's an, an entertaining guy when, uh, when you get him going, but yeah, I mean like, he doesn't protect the rim. He's a decent pass. I, I guess his passing was something that we thought was going to, I don't I don't know, translate decently, but it's almost like 
it, it's kind of reminiscent of Spencer Hawes when, when people talk about his like backdoor passing as this great thing. Unless you're like Nikola Jokic, like if you're below average in all the other areas of the game, your passing doesn't really matter. Right. You should not be on the court long enough for your passing to matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. They've stunk when he's played. So I got to put him at a five. Yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody today and they're like, man, his, his entry passes are always really good. I'm like, if that's what we're talking about with Kylo Quinn, then we're missing some key components of a, of a center. And right now you're missing some key components of a center. He the the defense has just not been good enough, and it like not only has it not been good enough, it's been nowhere near good enough. What does he even do well? I mean, when you watch him play, he's fairly ground bound. Yep, he's not quick enough to be a switch guy. Nope. So what is he giving you on that end? I don't even feel like he's in the right spot most of the time. Yeah, he's he has not been good defensively. Uh, they needed him to be to be better. You know, there was a time where we talked about like preserving Al Horford, not in part because Horford has. There have been reports that Horford has preferred not to play too much center. So we we talked a lot about like, hey, maybe you don't play Al too much at center now, and you bust it out in the postseason, so you can preserve him a little bit. Well, right now they need him Al playing center in part because that that that's how they can get Al going offensively and put him in his comfort spots. But in part because they don't have any other centers that you would feel comfortable playing. Like they need to, they they need to try to get home court advantage here, in at least one round of the playoffs. And if you play Kylo Quinn too many minutes at at backup center, I'm not sure you're going to do that. So it has been not the spot you expected to be in. Certainly, they beefed up the center position, and we gave them three, four, and five. Yeah, I know it hasn't been. Uh... <laughs> but again. That is based on expectations. Al has been a good center when he's been at center. I want to make that clear. O'Quinn has not. I'll go with a four and a half too. Is is that what you gave him a four and a half? I gave him a five. Five. Okay. I'll go. I'll go with a four and a half just because he seems like a nice guy. That's that's good. And I, I guess my reasoning on the basketball court would be his passing has been surprisingly good. So I, again, it doesn't really impact his effectiveness as much as it gives me an excuse. To give him that four and a half. All Sounds right, good. last one. Ferky. Ferk on himself. I mean, I had zero expectation for him coming into the season. And, you know, he's like the classic example of, is he playing super effective basketball? No. No, probably not. And and he's he's still pretty inconsistent, but... Yeah, he came in today shooting 39% from three. Yep. Guess what? Remember before the season we talked about, hey, we think he's a better shooter than the 30% he shot for his career. Yeah. Well, he is. And yep. uh, you know what is is sneakily kind of uh, bothersome about him? He shoots 71% from the line. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. But... <laughs> that, that dry, One of the things that drives Rich Nuts in person, too, is, is Cork Maz's free throw shooting it's crazy i mean how is a guy who's when he's on fire from uh from beyond the arc like we saw uh the game in what was the game the other night chicago he was unbelievable and i mean i think you gotta give him a full letter grade up or number grade up for that uh that crossover and dunk he had on uh, cristiano felicio but he's been uh he's been a lot better than i thought brett brown goes I would say a little bit overboard in his praise for Ferky's defense. Yeah. 
I think he's trying, but still pretty limited. And and they have him doing a lot of the same stuff Reddick is doing, or Reddick used to do with the, the hard hedge and recover. But the only way you can do that is to stick him on a more limited offensive player, whether it's somebody who just kind of stinks or maybe a spot-up shooter. But he's been, you know, he's been better than I thought. And there there have been times where they've been able to run offense through him pretty much. Like, I'll say this, the game against New York the other night, I know that final play went to Tobias Harris. With how poorly they were playing offensively, I was saying, I think Furkan should get the ball here because, I don't know, I'm, I'm more confident in him making a play off the move. They have him running the, the old J.J. Redick 12 play, which has helped Ben out get him some easy dunks too. I I think it's fair to say that I would give Ferky a I'll go one and a half for him. Here's um, the expectations were pretty low. Here's a crazy thought. If they don't bring Furkan Korkmaz back over the summer, they might have gotten swept by Chicago and New York. They probably do get swept by Chicago and New York. And that is a. That's not bad for a. Uh, I mean, it's bad for the team. It's Don't bad because you shouldn't get swept by Chicago and New York. But yeah, for a minimum salary guy, it was a, a pretty good. And I think that he has what one more year left on his minimum salary, so you should be able to have him back for next year too. Not bad for a guy who would not be here if Kyle Korver decided to come here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, look, Korkmaz has been. He's been a legit piece. Like he yeah. has come out. 39% from three-point range. His defense has been a little better. I agree with you. I think Breck goes a little bit overboard. Maybe he got, sees that he's trying harder or something like right. that. Right. And he's got like enough like hand-eye coordination. He can occasionally make a play. And he's six seven. He's got some size. He's not like his his feet are slow, and he's never gonna really change that, but he tries. He's it's, got no Sioni feet. Right. Right. <laughs> but look, there aren't that many players who can, like, we talk about that 12. There aren't that many players that can backpedal into three like that and make it look somewhat natural. And he can do that. He can come off of a screen. He can shoot it real quick, like that that quick Clay Thompson-esque no-dip shot he has gotten pretty good at. And the pump fake that comes from it. Oh, incredible pump fake. World-class pump fake. Road class behind the back passer, too. Yeah. <laughs> he throws him. He throws him. He, his volume is, is pretty high. Though, it, it, it's pretty high. I you, feel you like know, everyone's going to like slowly trickle out the middle midcourt, though. You know with behind the back passes, it's not how many you complete and how effective <laughs> right. they are. It's how many you throw. <laughs> um, he brings a little bit of personality to this team. Like he's, a, he's, 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 he's good people, as Brett would say. I think his teammates like him. Totally. When, I think when he need... gets going, people go nuts. Yeah. I think he brings some creativity offensively that not many players on his team has. He's a player that if he was just like 15% more athletic, I think I'd really, really like. But uh, that drop in athleticism hurts him on both ends. I think he's... Here's what I'll say. I think he's a legit rotation player. Uh, yeah, I think he's a le- legit rotation player in the NBA. Does that mean a sixth man or a tenth man? I'm not 100% sure. I think we have to see his shooting kind of normalized, but I think his shot is legit. I think he does just enough where when that shot is going down, he should be in a rotation. And I would not have said that at the beginning of the season. I'll go a one and a half, two. 
or I'm a not one sure. and a half as well, to be clear. Yeah. I'm not sure he's a playoff rotation oh, that, player no, that, yet. That's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's, look, he's been legitimately helpful in a lot of these games. And for somebody who we thought, like, did you even think he was going to be in the NBA this season? Uh, I thought there was the a chance he would. Sign him? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. He was a shooter who didn't make any shots. Yeah. It's a little bit of an ish. And like you said, before a season, we thought we were, we were bullish on his three point shooting, but like at some point you have to make them. And he came into the season shooting 30, pulling up right now, 32% from three and 38% from the field and didn't defend anyone and was unhappy with his role. Like, no, it was not a guarantee. He was going to be on an NBA roster this year. And I think he's come in. He's proven that he's an NBA shooter and an NBA player. And you know, what will that mean in the playoffs? We'll see. But you ask that question. Are you convinced he's an, a playoff rotation player? No, but I'm not convinced he's not either. And especially on this team that desperately needs that shooting and that off-ball movement. And that has a couple of defenders that can help make up for his weaknesses there. He might. And right now he's a really key part for this team, which the fact that I'm saying that sounds preposterous. But he, yeah, he's exceeded pretty much all expectations. He's been been pretty good. At 22 years old, he has helped himself quite a bit. And that's the other thing. I think people forget how young he is, too. Still just 22. All right. We're going to wrap this up? Yep. I think that's... Uh, I, I I guess I'll... I'll, I'll yeah. I, I think that is... Uh, you don't want to do a team grade, do you? Oh. I feel like that's what every podcast is. It's just an overall team grade. Let's just give a number and no context uh, surrounding it. I'm, um, ki- I'm kidding. But three and a half. If they didn't just play a decent game, you could have convinced me to go with a four, but I'll I'll, I'll go with a three and a half. Three and a half with a, a whole lot of TBD thrown in there. All right, sounds good. Let's uh, cut this one off because it is getting late and um, my ability to focus is long gone. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.